Hello and welcome to episode 11 of Everybody's Got Mental Health. Episode 11. I'm still, I'm st- I think I'm still reeling a little bit from episode 10 of Reaching Double Digits. <laughs> and so we keep going. <laughs> yeah, no, and we'll just keep going. Yeah, that's great. Um, so, hello. Hello, everyone. Um, today's episode is called uh, Neurodiversity and Mental Health. And we're going to talk about those two things, neurodiversity and mental health, because... I think there's there's um, there are grey areas here, and there are perhaps areas that people don't understand. And there's, I would say, certainly an amount of misunderstanding. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For people from different generations, for different reasons. Yeah. Um. Certainly, I think uh, there are some people of some generations who if you say autism to they'll instantly just think of rain man the dustin hoffman movie (laughs) um where dustin hoffman does play a an autistic savant but autistic savantism is incredibly rare amongst uh well as to our knowledge it's quite it's very rare amongst autists um it's an it's an issue that's very close to my heart because i'm neurodivergent um there are some people who would argue we are all neurodivergent but none of us are neurotypical um i don't agree with that i've met loads of norms in my life yeah um so let's let's get into the for brass tacks to begin with vicky from a from a medical professional standpoint Neurodivergence. What are you what, waiting for me to say? What, <laughs> what, 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 what is it? What is yeah. it? Because <laughs> I know what I think it is, but you know, officially, what is it? Well, I suppose the way I like to think about it, everybody's brains are wired differently, right? Um, but when we think about neurotypicals, their their brains are able to think in abstract and um, make sense of um, different situations and interpret things um, and navigate and emotionally regulate far more easily. Um, neurodivergence, depending on what your diagnosis is, or albeit not diagnosed, because there are many out there that are undiagnosed, right? Um, but they will they will struggle within different um, situations. Their, their executive functioning and, and the way that they um, they manage situations will be very, very different from a neurotypical. Um, and indeed, the way we offer therapy is very, very different as well. And I think one thing I do want to say before we get into this today is this, although I have worked in CAMS for or had done for many years, this is certainly not my area of expertise. And um, I do want to invite um, a couple of um experts on um one with lived experience and um and one who well also has lived experience but is a a professional in the field as a therapist um so i think we're going to focus more on it in terms of the links with mental health today um and i'll come at it from that perspective but actually we're we're going to have other episodes aren't we that yeah yeah we'll get more into neurodivergence just think as a starting point 
we need to just address, well, what is neurodivergence? And I think you've done that well. Uh, I'm going to play devil's advocate for a moment. As you do, as you do. Because that's my want. Um, well, it's all made up, isn't it? It's it, too many vaccinations and it's a load of nonsense and there never used to be autistics. Well, I think there always have been. It's just that, that we didn't understand it back then. <laughs> we would class people perhaps as, um, you know, socially um perhaps an ep might have been the way it would have been described back 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 in the day um you know hyperactive could have been some other um descriptions um unable to understand um social interactions um weird strange bit off perhaps would, would you say they would have been the i hey i'm 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 there was advocate here <laughs> Well, you and I have talked lots about, because we're of a similar age, right? Yeah. And we've talked lots about, you know, back in our day. I mean, I, I hate saying that, right? Because I'd hear that as a youngster and think, oh, for God's sake. But, you know, it, it wasn't hugely a thing unless um, there was more of a learning need there, as in severe. Um, otherwise... Yeah, well, I mean, I'd like, I would like to address something that I've heard a lot on podcasts, mainly by American uh, content creators. Um, and this is maybe an American thing. I don't know. Maybe it's an English thing as well. But I've heard a lot of people refer to autism, ADHD, and other neurodivergences as being a disability. Mm. Yeah. Uh, no, I I disagree with that. And I flat out deny it. I am I'm autistic. Um I've had people tell me so uh who know things. <laughs> uh it makes an awful lot of sense to me that I am autistic. And helps me fit into the world better. Yeah. Do I present like a classic autistic person? Firstly, what the hell is a classic autistic person? <laughs> okay, it's not Rain Man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and secondly, um, it even though I am differently abled, that does not make me disabled. Yeah, yeah. But let's be clear, though, right? This this is still classed in the UK as well um, as a disability. And actually, when we think about people not having a diagnosis, will often mean they can't access extra resources. Yeah. Right. Um, and you know, I've I've spoken at length with a. A very very dear friend and colleague of mine um because because i don't believe in um pathologizing um people and um you know whatever way i formulate cases um we talk about um you know the, the label and having that label and what that means to people um but we got to be clear here that actually um having the label um of being neurodivergent 
can access lots of additional support for people. Whereas if you don't, um, it, it, it doesn't. Um, and that, that doesn't mean to say that everybody needs a diagnosis. Some will um, just you know, hypothesize that perhaps they are and have to figure a way around that and how, how they work around the world. Others will, will need that diagnosis for um, various different reasons. Um, and I, I won't get started on this too heavily, although I'm sure it will mean quite a bit to you as well. Um, we do know that the waiting lists are massive. And, you know, if we think about people who are struggling, um, you know, and need a diagnosis, how that, that affects them on a day-to-day -day basis, really. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and it all, also, I suppose, you know, wh why is somebody like myself who does well, manages okay, is high-functioning, can cope, why am I? Why am I bothering the NHS? Why am I being a burden to the NHS when there's huge waiting queues um, to get a diagnosis? Um, and that feeds into my imposter syndrome. Um, but you know, I think in terms of a diagnosis, it's about you as an individual, and it's worth to you, and nobody else can give you that worth. Yeah. It's a personal decision. Um, right. So what I what I really want to talk about in this episode is the fact that if we are neurodivergent, our brain does not function in a neurotypical way. Yeah. Doesn't process things, doesn't, isn't wired the same. However you want to language it, my brain don't do things the same way you do brain things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That can then form in lots and lots of different ways. It can be uh, high functioning, low functioning. It can be nonverbal. It can be processing delay. It can be the ability to um, respond to a stimulus in a timely fashion that neurotypicals would find acceptable it could be uh, a whole platitude of different things um including adhd and add yeah. uh, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder and attention deficit disorder yeah yeah okay so we've got all of these things under this one umbrella of neurodivergence which some people would put all under one umbrella of um, autism and the autistic spectrum, ASD, or the autistic spectrum disorder. Um, or they might even put it in a situation of uh, labels that have gone out of fashion nowadays, like um, Asperger syndrome. Yes, yeah. Um, and... I know we're going to have experts that come on and talk to us about all of that. But we're a mental health podcast. And what yes. I really want to think about today is, as a neurodiverse person, how does that neurodiverse person manage their mental health? Because I know through experience that managing my neurodiversity 
takes a certain amount of my brain power and strength and resources. Yeah. When I'm particularly drained, tired, not at my best, I find it harder to manage those uh, those symptoms, those traits, those ticks, those noises. Yeah. Um. When I'm when I'm not well mentally, because I'm having a hard time for whatever reason to don't have to deal with both of those things. Yeah. Because a massive, massive thing for me. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and in fact, I'm gonna I'm gonna share. I'm going to share a little story. Uh, so recently I had really bad food poisoning. Uh, I had Campylobacter food poisoning from, I suspect, a roast chicken sandwich that I bought from a newsagent. I'm not going to name it shame on the show. <laughs> but I bought a roast chicken sandwich. Uh, it's the only meal that weekend that I didn't share with somebody else. That's why I'm fairly confident that's where the sauce was. Uh, and... I ended up in hospital on a drip for five days. Now, the day I went in, I was in an awful lot of pain. Okay, I'd like to just say, like, from, from a physical health point of view now, if you think you've had food poisoning and your tummy's hurt a little bit and you've been to the toilet a few times and you may be thrown up a couple of times, that is not food poisoning. That's an upset stomach. Okay, I, 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 I was worried I was pooing myself to death. I, it's graphic, I apologise, but that's how bad it was. You know, that I, and literally, by the time I got into A&E to speak to, to be seen, um, my temperature was at 39.7. I was that dehydrated, they couldn't get any blood out of me. And within about 15 minutes, they got me in a hospital bedroom with a catheter in. Not a catheter, a cannula in. A cannula, yeah. Yeah, you put catheters and cannulas in very different places. <laughs> <laughs> Not to be confused. But anyway, <laughs> that experience was very distressful. Um, everything was too bright. Everything was too loud. There was too much stimulation. And the nurse, the A&E ward nurse, who was amazing, she made me, by rolling up some uh, bandages and putting some tape around them, she made me two little earplugs so I could just put them in. Just so I could, and not that it killed all the sound, but, but it, it turned, turned everything down to a point where I could cope. Yeah. And I sat without my glasses on, I sat, I lay without my glasses on for the whole day, pretty much, with my head under my jumper to block out any light. So in that moment, Vicky, I've, I'm under physical health stress. Yeah. I'm under mental health stress because my brain's now in anxiety, flight and fight, cortisol streaming, adrenaline streaming, and yep. trying to process everything that's going on around me. Yep. You're in sensory overload. <laughs> and at the same time, 
my autism is giving me sensory overload. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. how, as autistic people or neurodiverse people, how are we supposed to manage that? I think that's a really lovely question. And I think it's a very individual question to each and every person who is neurodivergent. Because, you know, the spectrum is so wide and varied and, you know, different aspects or elements will impact. Um, and one of the things that we also know as well, um, and again, you know, it's not that I want to be um, gender specific here, but we know that actually um, with females, it goes generally, um, it's less diagnosable because they're really good at masking. Okay. Um, so... It, it comes in many, many different forms. And I think it's about knowing what your triggers are, having a good understanding about that, and then being able to communicate that to somebody. And that might be really difficult when you're in flight or fight. So it might be worth you having or thinking about resources you can pull on that you could actually, you know, flag it and highlight it. That said, it doesn't mean to say that every other person on the receiving end of that is going to understand you, right? No. And that's half the problem. Yeah, and, and, and don't get me wrong, like, the, I, I cannot sing the praises of the National Health Service enough. Yeah. I received excellent treatment. I received wonderful support from the staff that treated me, that looked after me, that cared for me. Um. Yes, they weren't all as understanding of my autism. But they were all wonderful. They all did their very best for me. Um, But, I mean, the biggest thing for me, Nikki, and this, in some ways, I think, is the hardest thing for a lot of people, but I started owning my autism. Mm. You know, it was the first time I've ever gone into hospital and said, I'm poorly, but I'm also autistic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because I needed that extra, I needed them to understand certain things. Like, for example, and this is an absolute classic, okay, uh, can you tell me what level your pain's at between one and ten? <laughs> Firstly, as an autistic person, that's a ridiculous question. <laughs> Because what's one and what's ten? What's the gradient here? How many different points are there? Okay. Also, on top of that, actually, because I'm autistic and my sensory experience is different to yours, what you think is a one is a 12. Yeah. Yeah. Now, for me, I'm not quite as physically sensitive as that. But at the same time, I know people who are autistic who it would absolutely come across as a 12 for. Um, but also high functioning autistic people like myself, I know exactly why the nurse is asking this question because they don't want to know the answer. They want to know the answer to the question they're going to ask me in two hours when they ask me what my score is now. Yes. Yeah. So I said to the doctor that asked me, or nurse rather that asked me, I said, well, I can't answer that because I don't know. But what I can tell you is that let's say that it's currently at two and that'll give you a way of gauging how much it's gone up later on. And that doctor laughed. I think it was a doctor actually, yeah, or not a nurse, but that person <laughs> laughed. 
Uh, and they weren't laughing at me. They were laughing because they understood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were I, laughing because they, they got the fact that I can't tell you what my pain score is because I know why you're doing this. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, 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 we've shared that dialogue as well, haven't we? Yeah. You, you know, I, I laugh lots and it's because I get it. I get it. Yeah, yeah. And I think in terms of... Um, It, it then becomes more challenging, uh, certainly for me. And I, I, I don't, I, I, I don't know how everybody else experiences the world. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't know how you all see the world. I don't have a shared common understanding of the world. What I know is how I see and experience and feel the world. And it's only through life experience that I've come to the conclusion that actually what I experience is not the same as what you all experience. Because if it was, I'd understand you all a lot better. <laughs> um, and that's a really hard thing to get your head around. But I think because of that not shared base... When you are having a mental health day and for a neurotypical person, they might be able to say, do you know what? It's okay. I'll just compartmentalize this. I'll put this in a box and leave it till later on. And I'll just get on with yeah. my day. Yeah. 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 No, sorry. That's not going to work for me. Yeah. That yeah. is not going to work for me because if I put it in that box and put shut the lid on it, I am very conscious of that box and its lid. Yes. Yeah. Not only am I very conscious of that box and its lid, I'm also in some sort of weird quantum Schrodinger's anxiety position because I've shut the lid on that box and I now do not know the condition of that anxiety. And this is the paradox so i'm now becoming anxious about not knowing how my anxiety feels yeah 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 it makes total sense um and and i think it's really important for people who know anyone who's autistic or neurodiverse i keep saying autistic because that's my diagnosis yeah, but yeah. anyone who's neurodiverse that you might know firstly do not think that you've got to treat us as less. We are not less. We don't need your pity. We don't need your sympathy. We are individuals. We are humans. We are able. We are differently able. What we do need is your understanding or if you can't offer your understanding, your compassion to allow us the time we need, or and I hate the word allowance. So rather than allowance, I, I think I like to think of it as the adaptation we need to process your world. Yeah, yeah. 
not because we can't process your world, but because we, you want us to process your world in a way that makes sense for you. Because I can process your world in a way that makes sense for me. Just don't expect to understand the answer. I, I suppose I'd really love to pick up on that because, you know, there's somebody that I I love very, very dearly. And um, my hypothesis is they are ADHD and they always have been. And I had never quite grasped before because they were usually pretty regulated because of the line of work that they did. Um, but since coming out of that line of work, they're um, they're not as, as well regulated, <laughs> shall we say? <laughs> um, most of the time, we 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 trundle along, do really well together. Um, but every so often, we'd hit these major road bumps, and um, when I realised that actually their world was about content and mine is about process. Once I realised that, and we were talking a different language, it helped us to think about how we start working out each other's language with one another and being able to um, understand each other better and come from a better perspective. And so, you know, they'll have lots of attention around all the detail around something, whereas I'm just, okay, so right, what's the problem? How are we going to fix it? Move forward. And so I've realised I have to not be so quick with that and 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 be able to hang out with them and explore what's going on for them. So I think this is really important what you're saying. It's about trying to understand, you know, where each other's coming from and, you know, how it impacts on them, you know? Yeah, entirely. I... You know, I managed 40 years without anyone officially diagnosing me. I'm Technically, I've managed 41 because I'm still waiting for that official diagnosis. Yeah. yeah. Um, you, you know, you, you've told me, Vicky, as someone who's had an awful lot of experience with neurodiverse adults and youngsters, that yeah. there is no shadow of a doubt in your mind I am neurodiverse. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I trust your opinion on that. You've worked with a lot of people like me. I, I trust that. Um, having having got that information, it's allowed me to experience the world in new ways. It's allowed me to start to process the world in new ways, yeah. to encounter the world in new ways and to express myself in new ways, um, which is all very exciting for me. But also at the same time, I think, and what I really want to to stress here in this episode is that and it comes back again to this concept of kindness you know you, you, we don't we just want you to be kind yeah yeah in the same way as you'd like us to be kind to you we want you to be kind to us and sometimes we are not going to know how to be kind to you I do not get some of the things norms do. Sorry, norm is my word for neurotypical. Um, I don't I don't get some of the things that norms do at all. And the way I will respond to a situation may come across to you as rude, abrasive, abrupt, um, hurtfully honest, um, ignorant, aloof. All of these things could be how it comes across. All that is going through my head is, 
I know this person is hurting and I want to help. Or I, I know something is wrong and I want to help. Yeah. Because often I don't know what's wrong. Yeah. I can yeah. feel something is wrong. But I don't know what is wrong and I want to help with it. I want to make it better. I, I uh, making things better, fixing things, you know, and that, 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 that speaks to the autism massively. I love fixing stuff. And if I can't fix the situation that we're in socially, then I'm failing. So allow me by being honest and frank and straightforward with me to understand please does that make sense yeah it does it does and I suppose going back to what you were talking about you know when we we sort of started out here about you know how it impacts on mental health you know um one person springs to mind um that I was working with earlier in the week and they've had a, a very very life-changing um incident that's happened to them and they they've got this all or nothing thinking they've always been riding for the highs and um you know seeking the the thrills and, and all of this is tapped into my hypothesis of that i think they've got adhd right and um this terrible accident's happened to them it's rendered them um pretty immobile and probably pretty disabled um if indeed they get function back at all an arm and possibly leg and um They've had a couple of surgeries and things start to get better, but then they go straight back away with the, the surgery. And what's happening to them is they're becoming really low to the point where they're thinking about taking their own life. And um, one of the things that we talked about was my hypothesis about them being ADHD. And they said to me, I won't repeat the words exactly, thanks, somebody's actually picked up on this i've been saying this to my mom for years i've really struggled i've struggled with concentration i've struggled to to manage to regulate myself i i go on these really fast rides because it helps to turn the noise down and just understanding um you know this this all or nothing thinking helped him to realize why he was after having the operation getting so low because it's this all or nothing thinking and it's the way his brain's wired. And we've actually managed to do a really nice piece of work around just understanding that and, and why, he's, why he's feeling the way he does. Yeah, I, I, now I want to pick up on something you've said there and, and, and I've, I've crossed my fingers to remind me because um, it, we've mentioned it a few times in the programme and I'm not sure everybody will be getting it and understanding it, regulation. Yes. So when we talk about regulation for neurotypical, uh, neurodiverse people, um, we we can regulate ourselves. We understand ourselves. We can regulate ourselves. We can make ourselves fit into society. We do this in lots of different ways. One of it is one of the ways is masking. Yes. One of the ways we do it is masking. We pretend to be you. Yeah. 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 Some of us, particularly the ladies, are phenomenal maskers. And we'll get through the entirety of their lives, possibly, without ever being noticed as autistic or yeah. neurodiverse in any way. Yeah. Because what they'll do is they'll just fit. Yeah. They'll make it work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
some of some of us males who are neurodiverse are good at masking too. Some of us are very good at masking, some of us not so good. But also uh, this idea of regulation, then this what this is, is about understanding certain things and using those structures and those scaffoldings in our lives to give us a structure that we can hang our routines on. Yes. Yeah. Um, and like you were saying, the person you know has been in a career path, a job where there's been an awful lot of structure and regulation put in place for them that's yeah. enabled them to pass. Yeah. Yeah. And I, when I've been teaching and I've been in the classroom, one, one of the things I used to rail against as a teacher was people who say to me, oh, you've got autistic children in your class, you must have a photo timetable, you must have a picture time. No, no, <laughs> no, right? We do not need routine. Okay, we don't need routine. What we can't cope with is change to routine. Yeah, yeah. If I know my routine is that lots of unexpected things are going to happen. I can be fine with that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It might not be the easiest thing in the world. It might be anxiety generating. It might be stress generating. It might, I might spend the entire day in fight, fight, fight or flight. But I can cope with it. Yeah. What I can't cope with, and what a lot of autistic people, particularly autistic, but also some ADD and ADHD people can't cope with, is this is the routine, this is what we're going to do, and now we're going to change it. Yeah. Whoa, no, 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 no. <laughs> you said this was happening, so it is happening. <laughs> and, yeah. and I think that's a really important thing but I think if you if you know somebody who you think might be neurodiverse, I think I mean, Vicky, you're the pro here. I'm. I my yeah. advice here would be tread carefully. Yeah, yeah. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So why would why can you explain why we need to tread carefully? Why can't we just go up and go? Hey, I think you might be ADHD, mate. Well. I suppose <laughs> for a number of reasons. One, sometimes people don't want a label, okay? Um, two, they may have been um, functioning perfectly well. Thank you very much. Um, don't need your, your input on that. Thank God. Um, it's so complex. And I said before, you know, um, this is not my area of expertise. It's moved on considerably as well. And there's so many nuances to it and, and, and differentials. Um, and as I say, that, that's why I would like to get my, um, yeah, 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 yeah. my very yeah, good friend I, I, expert on and somebody with also lived experience as well. Yeah, I, um, I, I can't wait. You know, this, 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 is, this is a very complicated um, area to navigate through. And everybody's different. Everybody's different. Uh, and the way they manage things are different, you know? And and everybody's got mental health, including neurodiverse people. Yes. But we, we just might need, and I hate to say help, because that feels wrong, 
that we might need some sort of, again, an allowance feels wrong, accommodation feels wrong, but we might need something. I think it's some understanding. I think it's some space and understanding together around what's going on for you. Yeah, we just we, there's something we need so that we have got time and space to process what we're going through. Yeah, yeah. And it might be that you don't understand. I'll come back to what my dad says. He says, I don't understand. But he can empathise and give me the space and time I need. Um, and other people that know me and love me are getting better at that. Um, but I think it, it it is very much about even if you don't understand us, give us the time and space to be able to process the thoughts that are in our head. Like, like even now, as I'm saying all this, it's it's so weird and it's hard to explain because. I, I'm seeing the words in my head before I say them, not, and I'm seeing them written down in my head and I'm editing them and rewriting them and drafting them as I say them. And it's happening at a lightning pace. Wow. And sometimes there's that many options for what I could write that I, I gotta, I've got to whoo, slow down. I need to choose carefully. Because yeah. once it's gone out of my head, it's out of my head, and it's too late. Um, so we we would definitely be coming back to uh, look at this with friends uh, and colleagues of Vicky's, possibly with um, there's some people I know who share lived. I, I would love actually to do an episode where there's about three of us neurodiverse people who are all just like rattling off the ceiling and bouncing off the walls and letting ourselves be ourselves. I love that. I think that's um, awesome. I think it might lose us all of our listeners, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> we can set it up as a behavioural experiment. Oh, we could, we could. <laughs> we could. Um, you know, um, I, just, I just think... For me, certainly what I went through with hospital and that experience. And then this week I've been talking to two different people who I've made contact with, one who is a new friend and one who is a long, long, long standing friend. And they are both having very different adult encounters with their own neurodiversity and how to process and understand and maybe get help with that. Um, if they're ready for it. Yeah. And I, th I just think, I, and I, I rang Vicky, I said, well, no, I text Vicky, I said, can you talk, can you talk, can you talk? You got time to talk? Um, sometimes I feel like I'm harassing you, but you can't. <laughs> and Vicky said, yeah, I'll, ri I'll ring you in a bit. And she rang me, I mean, I said, I said, I need to talk about neurodiversity and mental health. Because for me, this was cropping up time and again, time and again, time and again. And I need to get it out of my head. 
so so thank you vicky thank you for saying yeah okay let's change the schedule let's do something we weren't planning on so that i could get this out of my head into the, the world the universe and space because hopefully hopefully there are some of you out there listening who are going yeah this means something to me yeah yeah and it helps you in some way yeah um, absolutely. get in touch let us know talk to us social media things tiktok instagram facebook emails everybody got mental health at gmail.com um passenger pigeon is acceptable <laughs> um, you know, um, before we wrap up are we going to do our quick uh oh, yes yes moments of joy moments of joy moments of joy what's your moment of joy this week victoria well i received a lovely card um a really lovely card um, for my auntie with some really lovely um, heartfelt words. And um, it really touched me and, and, and put a smile on my face. Um, yeah. And she'll know why if she's listening. Fabulous. That's amazing. I like that. I received a Christmas card in the post. Um. And it was from somebody I really didn't expect a Christmas card from. Uh, someone who I didn't think would send a Christmas card because you know, technology and stuff. <laughs> uh, and I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to share who that person is. But somebody yeah. who I care about, who cares about me, we are friends, took time to send a card to me. And when I got it. And there was a little Polaroid picture inside it and I still written a message saying how making friends with me had been really nice and that it was nice for them as well as it was nice for me. And and that was just a real moment of joy because I felt I felt like maybe I was starting to get people a bit. Brilliant. I love that. I absolutely love that. And I'm grinning from ear to ear here. So thank you, because that moment of joy gave me some oxytocin. So thank you. <laughs> oh, pleasure. And and if you want to share your moment of joy with us, ladies and gents, uh, boys and girls, toasters and toiletries, let us know. Take care, everyone. And make sure you look after yourselves and each yeah. other. Be kind to yourselves, be kind to each other. Until next week, when we will be discussing <gasps> Valentine's Day. Oh. <laughs> Let's see if we have the facts straight. He's one of the best scientific minds we have today. We need a doctor. We need a doctor. Everybody's got mental health. Mental health.